Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let's begin reading at the first verse of Psalms 103. And let's talk about the one who heals all of our diseases. Praise God. Psalm 103, we'll begin in verse 1, but first let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, it's with great joy and delight we approach your presence in Jesus' name. And we also come boldly, dear Father God, to find grace and mercy. And we look to you, Father God, right now to touch our hearts and lives by the Word of God. We expect, dear Father God, to be changed in our spirits. We expect our minds to be renewed. We expect to receive revelation knowledge for it to flow freely in us and through us, dear Father God. We expect utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim with accuracy and boldness this knowledge. And I thank you for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to do so. And Father, for all that's accomplished and achieved in our midst, we'll give you all the glory and honor, knowing and believing that you sent forth your word to heal us and deliver us from our destructions. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Psalm 103, beginning at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Underline all, highlight it, circle it, underscore it, whatever you want to do with it. But make certain you look at it because it says all his benefits. There's a tendency in our minds to forget certain things that God has provided for us, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to forget any statement of fact from the Word of God. We don't want to forget any promise of the Bible. All of his benefits. Who forgives, and here's one of the benefits, all thine iniquities. Say that with me. God forgives and has forgiven all my sin. See, the first one he forgave you one of was the sin of spiritual death. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you're saved, washed in the blood of Jesus, born again, a child of the King? Aren't you glad? Think about that. He forgives all of our sin, that separation has been remitted, removed from our lives forever. Amen. See, salvation is always presented in a positive light. No matter who preaches it, they preach it with the full assurance of God's willingness to save the repentant. Isn't that true? You go to somebody who is unsaved and you tell them emphatically, God will save you. God will take your spirit, change it, produce light, life in it, love in it. You'll be recreated a child of God. You tell that to somebody knowing that God willingly wants to do that for that person. It's preached, in other words, in a positive light. God forgives all of our sin. And even after you have sinned, after becoming a child of God, He still will, if you're going to confess that sin, be faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and cleanse you from that unrighteousness. Isn't that true? You thankful for 1 John 1, 9 this morning? I'll tell you what, we need to thank Him for sure for 1 John 1, 9, because very often we have missed the mark, but God's been faithful, praise God, to forgive us and cleanse us by the precious blood of Jesus. Well, when we talk about preaching it in a positive fashion, we're talking about preaching it enthusiastically, that God forgives our sins, and we should. But why enthusiastically? Because of the great effect it has had upon our lives. I remember when I first got saved, I don't know about you, but I had great enthusiasm and zeal. I was just ablaze with the Spirit, just on fire. I would preach that message enthusiastically to everybody who would give me a listening ear. 
I would get a hold of them and just begin to tell them, you know, you can be born again. You know that you can know that you're going to heaven. And, and you know, I'd be sad because many of them didn't want to even hear it, didn't want to talk about it. And they thought I was a lunatic. But you see, I was enthusiastic and full of this, this zeal because of the great change that took place in my life. I mean, the trees looked better. The flowers smelled better. People looked better. Amen. I mean, the whole world around me just seemed to be a more beautiful place. Why? Because I just came out of the darkness, praise God, and I'm in the light right now. And it's hard to relate back to the darkness, to get people out of it, to get them back into the light, right? To get them into the light that you're in. But you have this zeal, you have this enthusiasm, and you want to bring them in. And you preach it in a positive way because you know that God wants them in. He's not willing that they perish. You know that. You also preach it, secondly, with what? Determination. Why? Because we've got something that cannot be gotten anywhere else. Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. That's it. There's no other way. And so when you see your loved one bound up by religious ideas and all that, you preach it with determination. You are determined to reach them with the gospel, aren't you? You want to break through all that religious tradition. You want to break through the idea of good works will get you to heaven and get a hold of them in spirit and soul and bring them into the kingdom. And so you preach it with tremendous determination, don't you? Absolutely. It's the only way to heaven. And then with great boldness. Because you've got to take it before us. Oh, you've got a message that's going to shake the very foundations of darkness. You're going to break through all that darkness with the boldness of God because you know that's what it takes to get a hold of their spirit. Satan has a grip upon that spirit and does not want to let go. He has a grip upon that mind. He has blinded that mind and does not want to let go. And so what you do is with great boldness and confidence, you proclaim the truth because you want them free. You want them saved. You want them delivered. You want them in the kingdom. And so you take it by force. And you let them know that it's your salvation that you're fighting for. You know what? You're going to have to get bold with it too. You're going to have to say no to the kingdom of darkness and yes to the kingdom of light. To turn them from that power of darkness to the power of God to the power of light takes a lot of boldness. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Amen. And so that's how you preach this, this gospel message in a positive way. Also... When you know, making reference to presenting the gospel in a positive way with regard to salvation, whenever we know that someone is about to go minister salvation to somebody or witness salvation to somebody, what's the first thing that you do for that person who's going out to witness? You begin to pray for that person for guidance and for wisdom, that God would give him a mouth filled with wisdom that the enemy will not gainsay nor resist, don't you? And also you pray that God will move by his spirit in supernatural ways, signs and wonders or gifts of the Spirit, so as to reach that person. No matter what it takes to reach that person, you want that person reached. And so you pray. And you, and you support that person who's going out there to minister. I remember uh, a, a testimony where this one individual regularly went to church three times a week. But for some unknown reason, that person would not give his life to God. And so this went on for a long period of time, and no one would, could understand why this person would not give his life to God. Well, one day this lady took him aside and said to him, I know why you won't give your life to God. It's because so many years ago, you were involved in a crime, during which your partner was killed, fatally wounded. But before his death... 
He made you swear or vow to him that you would die and go to hell with him. And you swore that you would, and you swore that you wouldn't tell anyone about it. And so here you are, wanting to get saved, but never getting saved because you felt you vowed a vow that you could not break. Beloved, that was a word of knowledge given to that lady. See, sometimes we think spiritual gifts or manifestations are things that only take place in public settings. You know, and they've got to be this, this tremendous working of God, this tremendous move of God. But that's not the case. It's God speaking to someone's heart, revealing knowledge that is unknown to anybody else. He knows it, but no one else knows all about it. And then as a result of that, a great work is done. The fellow was absolutely floored by what she had spoken to him. Gave his heart to Jesus. Because, you see, she said, you don't swear to any man. Jesus taught that in the Word of God. You don't swear. And God doesn't want you to honor that vow that you made. And so he gave it up, accepted Jesus as a Savior and Lord, and was born again. So that was a word of knowledge. See, we preach Jesus in a positive way when it comes to salvation. I remember on numerous occasions... When God spoke things like that to my spirit, even as recent as, as last Wednesday night, when God spoke to my spirit and said, said about a certain individual is not saved. See, you don't really know that. This person was going through all the motions of being saved or looking like the person was saved from every outward appearance. But the Lord spoke to my heart and said, this person is not saved. And I want you. Now, here's exactly what he said. I want you to tell this person that my conviction is upon them. And that this is an opportunity and also a warning that a decision must be made. See, and this has happened on numerous occasions. And in some cases, you know, people will respond immediately. And in other cases, they'll just think about what was spoken, but they'll know that God was in it. So a word of knowledge doesn't have to be something that is just, you know, spectacularly manifested and, and spoken out. It can take place. It can happen. No one else has to even know a thing about it. Amen. Go to the person, reveal the knowledge that God gave you, deal with it one-on-one -on -one that way. And the end result should be and could be a blessing unless they reject, of course, the knowledge of God. But this is God moving by His Spirit to do what? To save souls. God wants to save souls. God is willing for everyone to be saved. doesn't want one person to perish. Well, beloved, I said all that to say this. If God wants us to present this, the gospel of salvation in such a positive way, then let's read the next verse and ask this question. Why is it that many preach the first part enthusiastically, but the last part of this particular verse is not preached with such enthusiasm, optimism, and zeal? Think about it. Let's read the last part. Who healeth all thy Diseases. Is that what it says? Say it with me. He heals all my diseases. Say it again. He heals all my diseases. Beloved, this verse, the latter part, should also be preached with just as much zeal, enthusiasm, determination. Absolutely. Boldness, confidence. As we preach the gospel message of salvation, being born again and having our sins forgiven. But because many fail to, to place that kind of importance upon it, they just disregard it and overlook it. 
I believe that God wants us to proclaim in this hour that He is a healing God as well as a saving God. He is a delivering God as well as a saving and forgiving God. He will heal, He will deliver and set people free from the things that would hold them in bondage. He'll heal bodies and deliver and set them free. And I'll tell you why. Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, and verse 5. In connection with that same verse, 103, Psalm 103, verse 3, listen to what Jesus said. He forgives all our sins. He heals all of our iniquities, or our diseases. In Matthew 9, and verse 5, for weather is easier... Now notice he forgives all our sins or iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. And Jesus poses the question, for whether is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk. In his own mind, it was no different. As far, difference. as, far as the power of God is concerned, there's no difference between he forgives our sins, he heals all of our diseases. Can you see that? As far as Jesus was concerned, which is the easier of the two? As far as the power of God is concerned, it's the same. He forgives our sins. He heals our diseases. It's only in our own thinking, in our, in our own mind, that it becomes more difficult for us to expect God to heal our bodies as He forgives our sins. That's the truth. Because we've not heard it preached enough. Because we've not given it serious enough attention. Also, because of the fact healing is manifested in the physical body, but it must, first of all, proceed from the spiritual part of man. Sin is just affecting us in spirit, and to get it forgiven, we don't have to see a work be done. We know it's being done in spirit. You know when you sin and you miss the mark, it affects you spiritually? How many of you know that? But when you say, Father God, forgive me of that sin, I confess it, cleanse me by the blood of Jesus, He does. How many of you know that? And whatever effect the sin had, it's all removed by the precious blood of Jesus. But you didn't feel it. Now, the physical body is different. We feel the sickness or we feel the pain. And as a result of the feeling, it's more difficult for us to, to identify with the healing process. But God wants us to develop a different mindset. One that says, it's just as easy for God to heal us as it is for Him to forgive us. For which is easier, Jesus said, to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or rise and walk. And let's read on. That that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. It was just as easy as far as Jesus was concerned. But we've made it difficult. Beloved, let me give you another scripture. In the book of Romans, chapter 2 and verse 4, we are told it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. When we tell people that God is good, when we say that His goodness will lead you to repentance, when we tell them how good He was to send Jesus to die for us and bear our sin upon the cross, that kind of goodness leads a person to repentance. They are so Glad to hear that God loves them and He's not looking down upon them. That kind of goodness will lead that person to repentance. That kind of love will lead that person to repent, to get his sins forgiven. Well, in Acts 10, 38, you know what it says? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing what? 
Healing is another manifestation of the good work of God or the goodness of God. Healing is God good, God's goodness at work. That's what it is. Healing is God's goodness at work. Say that with me. Healing is God's goodness at work. See, we can believe that God's goodness will lead one to repentance. That's no problem. But what about God's goodness healing people's bodies? It's the same thing. It's the same work. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good. The same power that saved a person's soul is the same power that heals the person's body. Healing is a good work of God. And we should preach it in a positive way. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be so bold to say this. Healing should always be preached or presented in a positive light with full assurance that our Father God is willing, yearning, and able to meet that person's need. He is longing to touch that person's body, to deliver that person, and make them whole. And that's how it should be presented. He stands ready, willing, able, and yearning to heal that body. Just as he is to save that soul. And you know how bad he wants to save a soul, don't you? See, that's how we should receive it. That's how we should present it. We should preach it or present it with enthusiasm. Why? Because we know it produces deliverance from satanic oppression. In other words, I know he's willing, like I know he's willing to save, but I'm going to preach it to you with enthusiasm. Why? Because I know it will produce deliverance from satanic oppression. And you want that, don't you? You want deliverance from that satanic oppression. And this is the way you can have it. And so we should preach it that way. It should be preached with determination. Just as salvation is preached with determination. Why should we preach it with determination? Because we know that no matter who we are, there will come a day in all of our lives when only divine intervention will do. Thank God for what man can do. But beloved, man will always fall short. Man is not ever going to be capable of ridding the world of all sickness and disease. Man will never find a cure for every sickness and every disease. There are many incurable diseases right now, even with all the modern advances in, in, in science. Isn't that true? Medical science. And it's always going to be that way. As long as there is a devil making contact with this world, it's always going to be that way. You go to the millennial reign of Christ for 1,000 years and you'll find out that there won't be any sickness or disease. Because Satan will be eliminated from human contact. What does that tell us? When Satan's out of here, bound up for a thousand years, no more colds. No more sneezing. Think about it. No more flu. No more cancer. It's a work of darkness. Can you see that? Amen. It was that way in the beginning. It'll be that way then. And when Jesus comes back and, and, and we have the new heaven, new earth, there's not going to be any more sickness or disease. Isn't that true? So we can see its source. We see where it comes from. Absolutely. So we should preach it with determination because we know there's always going to be sickness and disease here on the earth to contend with. And man is not going to be capable of ridding it. Reading us of all of it. Why? Because Satan's out there. And if man finds a cure for one, he's going to concoct another sickness and another disease. You know that as well as I do. He'll come up with something else. 
You know that as well as I do. And so we've got to realize there's going to come a time in our lives that we need divine intervention. And divine intervention alone is going to work. Now, that doesn't mean one can't be assisted or aided by medical science. But even as all that medical science can do, they can still only bring it to a certain place or point. And as long as they're helping you stay alive to use your faith and thank God for that. Amen. Amen. Then you shift over, see, and you, and you just make contact with God on a spiritual plane. And you allow His divine intervention to work on your behalf. To bring total victory and total wholeness to your life. And so we should preach it with determination to let people know, look, you need this message. You need to understand the healing power of God. Don't think that you can just go through your entire life without ever being faced with an incurable thing. Something that is life-threatening. If we think that way, then we're taking a chance with our lives. But if we think like God wants us to think, then we'll learn how to receive from Him the power that is necessary to eliminate or overcome a disease that would try to attach itself to our bodies. So, we should preach it with enthusiasm. We should preach it with determination. We should preach it with the same boldness that we preach salvation. Why? Because once again, the violent take it by force. We've got to tell people to get bold when it comes to receiving what is yours from God. We've got to get bold with it because Satan's not going to let go. He's not just going to back off and just lay down and play dead just because he's been defeated. As long as he thinks he can keep us hoodwinked, as long as he thinks he can keep us sick and destroyed, he's going to do everything he possibly can within his power to do so. But when the child of God says enough is enough and rises up in authority and faith and says, I'm going to be bold about this and says, I'm going to be violent about this, I'm going to take what belongs to me by force. Healing is something that belongs to me. Health is something that belongs to me. Because the God that I serve heals all my diseases. He provides health and long life. He'll fulfill the length of my days, praise God. And so I'm going to be bold to proclaim that. And I'll tell you why you've got to be bold. It's a twofold thing. Number one, as I said, because Satan is not going to let you go. I'll tell you something else, though. This one is even worse. Because a lot of people in the body of Christ are going to put up a fuss and a fight with you when you start talking like that. That's the truth. And I think the worst battle is with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Really. Because, see, they can really get to you. Ah, you can't believe that way. Well, why not? Jesus is the one who said all things are possible to him that what? Thinketh? Doubteth? Plays games? The one who has the ability to reach beyond his mental faculties, to reach beyond his five physical senses, and dare get out there in that realm of God and believe that things are possible, that impossibilities are made possible through the God that we serve and the faith that we have in him. Beloved, we cannot back off on that kind of a message. Because Jesus is the one who proclaimed it. He is the one who demonstrated it and says, look, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater than these shall you do because I'm on my way to the Father. And whosoever will, let him come and let him believe. Let's get all that philosophy out of minds. And let's get a hold of the Word of God. And let's make it a reality to our lives. And that's what he is saying to us. We've got to preach it with boldness because you will be contested by your own brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know what? Reach beyond all that. 
Reach for all the best that God has, the full potential that God has for you in Christ. And you'll be blessed. So preach it with boldness. And then finally, with great optimism. You say, why? Well, look at Exodus chapter 15. I'll tell you why we should preach this message with great optimism. It's because it's our covenant right. That's why. Healing is, health is our covenant right. And we should preach the message with tremendous optimism. In other words, believing for the best possible outcome. To be optimistic means, I believe, for the best possible outcome in a situation. I'm not going to be pessimistic. I'm not going to think the worst about it. You know, when your body is racked with pain, you know when the doctor gives you a scenario that is so bad you don't want to hear it anymore? When it seems like everything is caving in around us, we can still believe God optimistically because we have greater revelation inside of us. We have greater resources than that of man. Man is speaking only based on his resources. He is speaking out based on his own findings. But we are speaking out based on what we know to be true from the word of the living God. Demonstrated by Jesus when he walked this earth. We are speaking with authority because we know we have a covenant with the living God that provides health and healing apart from anything that man can do. And so we're optimistic. We believe God for the best possible outcome. Even in a worse scenario. We believe for the best possible outcome. In Exodus chapter 15 verse 23. And when they came to Marah. They could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, Exodus 15, 24, people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God... And will do that which is right in his sight. And will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. There he revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our great physician. And he says to them, look, I am revealing myself to you as a healing God. Your great physician. This is a covenant of healing he made with the house of Israel. It was based upon their obedience to keep his laws, his statutes, and his judgments. When the waters of life become bitter, as they were there, he said, don't cry out and murmur and don't complain. He said, when the waters of life are bitter because of sickness or disease or contamination... And that's exactly what sickness and disease is. It contaminates our body with a foreign substance that will destroy life. Isn't that true? Okay. He says, look, I've made provision. Casting the tree into the water was symbolic of Christ becoming the curse on the tree. Becoming that curse for us, he bore our sickness and carried our pains. And the bitter waters were made sweet. And so he made a covenant with them saying, if you'll keep my laws and statutes and judgments, I will not allow diseases to come upon you. And those that came upon the Egyptians will not come upon you. I won't permit it. And beloved, look at Exodus 23. It gives us the full potential of this covenant that God made with these Israelites. 
in Exodus 23 and 25, when they arrived at the promised land, this is what they were told. And ye shall serve the Lord your God. He shall bless your bread. You believe God blesses your bread? Does He bless our food? See, sometimes we don't, we don't know what He's talking about. He's talking about sanitation. Sanitary laws. He's talking about food that we put in our mouth can kill us if, we, if it's contaminated. But you know what? Even contaminated food won't kill you if God blesses it on its way down. Amen? Isn't that what He said? He'll bless your water. Contaminated water will kill you. It'll take your life. Poisons will take your life. But if it's blessed by God on the way down, praise God, it won't. Now, he's not saying go and test me out and try me out and prove me. He's not saying that. He's talking about accidentally. Right? Okay. He'll bless your bread. He'll bless you. You have got to clarify that. People will be out with a drugstore, you know, buying all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, let's test God out. They do it with snakes, don't they? Don't they play with snakes? Taking up serpents and all that stuff? Oof. He says, I'll bless your bread and water. And I like this. And I will take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. Say that with me. God takes sickness away from the midst of me. Because I keep his laws and statutes. See, beloved, this is a covenant that God made with them. We should be optimistic, believing God for the best outcome, because we know that God made this promise in His Word. A promise of a covenant that cannot be altered or broken. And then He goes on to say, There shall nothing cast their young, no miscarriages, nor be barren, no infertility in thy, thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. You live out the full length of your days. You live to be a ripe old age. A long life I'll give you and satisfy you with. A life of health. A life of strength. A life of vitality. Let's rise up and wake up and believe God for these things. These things are manifested and realized. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that man Abraham still just impresses me. People say, well, you know, is 135 years old old? Well, let me ask you this question. Is 135 old? I mean, it says he was old. As a matter of fact, when they were in their 90s, and, and when she was 90, he was 100, what did it say? When they gave birth to Isaac, what did it say? They were old. Well, if you think 100 is old, is 135 old? Or is it older? What is it? Now, what can you do at 135? Are you reduced to golf? Is that what you're reduced to? 135. Let's see. What can we think about doing at 135? Nothing too heavy. Nothing like that. You know, obviously. Uh, badminton maybe or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Croquet. In the backyard. You know. 135. This guy marries Keturah. Has six more kids. Lives to be 175. Can you imagine him chasing those kids around the house? You say, why, why that? Well, you know how much energy a child has? I said, do you know how much energy a child has? He must have been amazing. Would you say that? That was the promise to Abraham. 
What's that got to do with us? The promises and the benefits are all from Abraham, beloved. It's because of the promise that God made to Abraham. He gave him that long life. Fulfilled the number of his days, like he said here in Exodus. He fulfilled the number of his days. He lived to be a ripe old age. He was still strong and full of strength and able to do all that he did. And you can go on and read about all these things. And and God honored those who honored him. And if we'll honor him with our faith, will he not do for us what he did for them? But you see, we've got to break through this doubt and unbelief. And break through the barriers that limit God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Many of them did, but others did not. The ones who inherited the promise were supposed to follow, are we not? What about a Caleb? What about him? Who do you want to pattern your life after? Those who, who misused the things of God and died young or those that were obedient to do the things of God and lived to be a ripe old age and fulfilled the will of God for their lives. And God blessed them like Caleb. And he told Caleb, because you have another spirit inside you. Why was Caleb blessed? Everybody knows the answer. He has another spirit. Not because he has a different mindset only. But another spirit. What spirit did Caleb have? One of faith. What did that spirit of faith say? I was 40 years old when God sent me to spy out the land in Kadesh Barnea. I'm 85 years old today. I've got my strength to battle to do war. Give me my land. Sounds like a violent man to me. (laughs) Sounds like a bold man to me. What about you? Can you see that? We got to break. I'll tell you what, beloved, if we stay pacified with the knowledge that we have and content with the knowledge that we have, you can walk in that knowledge and not receive anything from God. Just with just having it up here. But I'll tell you what, you can look at this and say, this is my full potential in God. This is my potential of faith in God. I'm going to set all this playing games with God aside. I'm going to set all these distractions aside. And I'm going to retarget my life. I'm going to set new goals. I'm going to rise up above, praise God, the law of sin and death. I'm going to tap into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus like never before. And I'm going to walk in the full blessings of God. If anybody else does, it's going to be me. If no one else wants to do it, I'm going to do it. That's what God is wanting us to say. Oh, it's going to take dedication. Oh, it's going to take consecration. It's going to take a new mindset. It's going to take application. It's going to take everything we have within us to achieve it. But the outcome is rewarding. It's worth it all, as you can see in these people's lives. And so can we believe that he'll take sickness and disease away from the midst of us? I'll tell you what, beloved, we should be of this kind of a mindset when we're attacked in body. Oh, Father God, you said in your word that you would take sickness and disease away from the midst of me. I read it there that you're the God who forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases. And praise God, I'm going to rise up in faith. I'm going to remove the barriers that would make you small in my life, that would limit you in my life. I'm going to stretch beyond those borders and and make you bigger in my life. And stretch out my faith to believe for greater things. Man, stretch out your faith, beloved. That's what God is speaking to our hearts this morning. That thing that maybe you've been dealing with over a number of years, stretch out your faith right now. Because if you're not encouraged to do so, you'll live with it for the rest of your life. But stretch out your faith and get a hold of it right now. Take a hold of it. Believe God for these, for these great things. You say, but that was Israel. Well, don't turn to it, but write it down real quick. Hebrews 8, 6. No, turn to it. <laughs> turn to it. Hebrews 8, and six. That was Israel. They had that covenant. What did God would have been there? 
Would to God it would affect our lives. Oh, God's done everything for Israel. His chosen people. What are we? Chopped liver? Huh? What are we? Chopped liver. Thank God we're a spiritual Israel. We are the redeemed. Are we not? Hebrews 8, 6 says this. Well, let's begin. Verse 1. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. They didn't have that. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which, is, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. But now hath he, speaking of Christ, obtained a more excellent ministry than that of the old covenant, including the Mosaic law and all the benefits of it. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. What we just read back there about what was a part of that covenant, we are part of a better covenant which was established upon better promises than those that were made to them under the Old Testament law. How is that true? Our access to God has never been better. If they had access to God, our access to God is better. Theirs was limited. Ours is unlimited. They had to go through the priest. Our priest is right there. They had to wait for a sacrifice. Our sacrifice is right there. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, throughout eternity, there is the cleansing blood of Jesus flowing. So that no matter who you are, you can come freely right now. We have to wait for nothing. He's waiting for us to say, here I come, Lord. A better covenant. Established upon better promises. Their standing before God was limited. Since man fell, his standing was marred. The standing that they had was limited. But praise God, our standing before God is unlimited We have a better standing before God right now because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ because of His blood. Our access to God, beloved, our standing before God has never been better. We're under this better covenant with better promises. And in that promise is included these statements of fact. Turn with me to to these openings. First of all, you're close by, so find 1 Peter 2.24, just mark it. You have a high priest who is right there in the heavens, who is seated before the Father, before the throne, representing you right now, making sure that the Father hears all that you have to say. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning at verse 14, it says here, And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house... He saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. That's Matthew eight fourteen and 15. Here, Jesus is 
healing Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. When the evening was coming, verse 16, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirit with his word and healed a few. He healed all that were sick. Why? That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah said there's coming a day. Isaiah said there's coming a time in history. Isaiah prophesied of of a future event that would take place. A time when the Messiah would bear our sickness and carry our pain. And exactly it's stated right here. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That is a statement of fact. Under the new covenant that was ratified by the blood of Jesus. Jesus himself is seated at the right hand of the Father as the one who bore our sickness and carried our pain, as well as the one who bore our sin and carried it from us. In 1 Peter 2 and 24, we have another statement of fact in the Word of God that says, which is part of our covenant, which is what they did not have under the old. And if God was able to take sickness and disease away from the midst of them then, how much more in this new covenant is he able to do so for us? And it says in verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live in a righteousness by whose stripes you were. Say it with me, I was. If we were, then I was. And I am. Healed. This is new covenant talk. This is the better covenant with the better promise. But we have got to align up, line up with it and align ourselves, our faith with it, to it. And finally, let me give you the last scripture in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. And beginning at verse 14. We have better access to God. We have better standing before God. We have a better covenant with God. We have better promises than they had back then. And the full potential that they had back then enabled them to have sickness and disease removed from their midst. In Hebrews 4 and 14, seeing then that we have, say I have. See, we have. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. They may have had a high priest. We have a great high priest. And his high priestly office does not change like theirs did. Why? Because he doesn't die. He lives forever. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus is at the Father's right hand. It says, let us hold fast our confession or profession of faith. What does that mean? Well, seeing then that Jesus is this mediator of a better covenant established upon better promises, and seeing then that he's at the Father's right hand to represent us, our representation there before the throne of God is better than ever. He is right there for us at the Father's right hand, seeing then, let us hold fast our confession. Why? What confession? He bore my sickness. 
He carried my pain. With his stripes I was healed. He redeemed me from the curse. Disease cannot inhabit my body. I will hold fast to that confession. Why? Because Jesus is right there at the Father's right hand. He's the high priest of our confession. He is looking to the Father. The marks are there. The stripes are there. God the Father knows what He did. He represents us. And every time we say with this tribe, so I'm healed, Jesus is right there. And the Father looks at Him. And all Jesus has to say is, yep, I bore His sickness. Yes, I carried His pain. And with my stripes, He's healed. What He's saying is true. Keep saying that. Hold fast to our confession. Why? Next verse. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He knows exactly what we're going through. He knows the feeling of our infirmity. He knows the sin, its consequence, its result. He knows the sickness, the disease. And the pain, he's at the Father's right hand right now, representing us. So come boldly, come boldly, come boldly to the throne of grace. To obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. And grace is God's operational power that is unleashed on our behalf. Because Jesus is right there to see to it that it is. He represents us to the Father. He gives us access to the Father. And he sees to it that the New Testament, with all of its benefits and promises... Are enforced in our lives. Beloved, if God could do that for them then, how much more can He do that for us now and here today? His power is available unto all today. And we should preach this message with great enthusiasm because we know it will deliver people from satanic oppression. We should preach it with great determination because we know that there are those out there. There are those here right now who would not be with us today if it were not for divine intervention. Would you raise your hand up right now if you're out there? If, you, if God did not intervene for you, raise your, hand, raise your hand up right now. You wouldn't be here. Look at all those hands. Praise God. Brother Harry Rabs, way back there. What did they tell you? You were a dead man. I see you alive. He said, I'll live and not die and declare the works in the glory of God. Let's thank the Lord for his life right now. Praise God. Praise God. See, the report was that a massive heart attack. He just couldn't live. But said, he said, I'll not die. I'll live and not die and declare the works in the glory of God. There's power in this word. I said, there's power in this word. There is miracle working power. There is healing power. And it's all because of Jesus. I said it's all because of Jesus who is right there, right now, at the Father's right hand, representing us. And when you confess that word, he is saying it to the Father. Yes, I indeed did die for his sickness and carry his pain. And therefore, we cannot withhold the power. Glory to God. And you know when the power is unleashed, you mix faith with it. You know what you got? You got a miracle. You've got results. You've got victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart 
I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.